Hi, y'all. This is Kristen Chenoweth. Hi, I'm Gloria Stefan. This is Sarah Bareilles. Hi, I'm Patty Lapone. This is Lynn Manuel Miranda. You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. Welcome to the Theater Podcast, intimate personal conversations with theater's biggest names. I am your host, Alan Seals, and this episode is with Cody Renard Richard, who is this podcast's first stage manager. Several people have written in and asked for, for, for me to interview a stage manager, and man, Cody has an amazing story. We cover all of like what a stage manager does, how he got into it and everything, but he started out growing up as a kid living on a horse farm in Texas. That's what his family does. And then he made his way to New York City after going to college in St. Louis. But he went to college for stage management, not thinking he'd make a career out of it, which is just really awesome in my opinion. And his his attitude is incredible. He, he tells a story of how he finally got into managing, being a production stage manager, not just an assistant stage manager, but a PSM on Broadway. And he he just never let a negative response stop him. He kept going. He kept emailing. He kept calling. He made friends somehow with Lin-Manuel Miranda, Chris Jackson, the original guys from Freestyle Love Supreme. And now, you know, like 18 years ago, and now he's the PSM for Freestyle Love Supreme. Uh, he even was the stage manager this year for the VMA Awards and the actual 2019 Tony Awards. So, man, I just can't wait for you to hear this. Again, as always, before you dive in, please visit me online at ttp.fm and show your support. Uh, every episode, there's a question or two that's asked by patrons, and at a certain level, you get to you get to submit your own questions, and I can include them in the interview. So check that out online at ttp.fm slash Patreon, P-A-T-R-E-O-N. And now, everyone, please enjoy this episode with Cody Renard Richard. His guest today has been behind the scenes ensuring that many of your favorite shows, from The Lion King to Dear Evan Hansen to Hamilton, happen exactly as they should, show after show after show and night after night. He's even worked on some of the last few years' live theater events, such as Hairspray Live, The Wiz Live, Jesus Christ Superstar Live, and he's currently the production stage manager for one of Broadway's newest hits, Freestyle Love Supreme, Cody Renard Richard, welcome to the theater podcast. What an intro. <laughs> Thank you. When you put it all together like that, yeah, it feels good. It does. <laughs> so you are you're actually my first stage manager. Oh, really? Yep. Popping my stage manager cherry oh, here wow. on the on the podcast. Happy to do it. <laughs> so I have so many questions. I think this is gonna be an interesting story, but I want to start where I do with everybody on the podcast and tell me about your childhood. Tell me about where you grew up. Um, I am from uh Hockley, Texas, which is right outside of Houston, Texas. I usually say Houston. People don't really know what Hockley is. Uh, I grew up on um, a ranch. Um, uh, my entire family um, uh, raises horses, and they're cowboys and cowgirls. So no that kidding. was my Yeah, that was my upbringing. Um, I got into theater around uh, high school, um, and then I went to college for it in St. Louis, and then eventually moved here. And then things started happening. All right. So you glossed over the high school thing. (laughs) So in in high school, I mean, Texas is very competitive in the arts. Right. And in everything. But, you know, 
Bigger, everything's bigger in Texas. Absolutely. Even the competition. Well, there you go. <laughs> um, yeah, so I started off, um, I kind of fell into theater. I, um, I had to pick up an extracurricular when I was in high school, and I just started doing uh, drama, as we call it. And um, I was acting, as most kids do, because that's what we know. Um, and then my high school theater director uh, actually told me I should stage manage one of the shows, and I had no idea what it meant. But in my mind, I was like, oh, I get to be in charge. I was like, sure. <laughs> um, and then she told me, she, uh, she said I had a way of making people listen to them without yelling. And she's like, that's going to take you far. And at the time, I had no idea what it meant. But I was like, sure, I'll do this thing. And then that kind of just fell into my groove of stage managing, I guess. I did, I did one show, and I liked being the person that everyone came to. And then I just continued to do it throughout the rest of my time in high school. Hmm. Okay, so at what point in high school then were you thinking, this is it, this is what I want my career to be? Well, I didn't um, necessarily know of it as a career, because um, it was kind of unheard of in Texas. And, and no one else uh, before me had done it um, as a career, um, but it was just something that I enjoyed doing. And I wanted to leave Texas for college. So, <laughs> so I was like, oh, I'm doing this thing now. And then I started applying for schools that had stage management programs. And it wasn't until I, I got into one, I was like, oh, this can actually be a career. So it was well into my, uh, my college years that I realized that this could be something long-term. Oh, that's strange to me. You, so you went to college for something that you didn't necessarily think at the time you wanted to make a career out of. Yeah, I went. I mean, I, I, yeah, I wanted to um, work in the theater, um, and I didn't know what it was gonna, what it was going to be yet. Um, but I majored in stage management because it's what I was doing, and I knew that it was something that I sort of I thought I knew what it was, and mm-hmm. then I finally realized and, and got more experience and uh, and learned more about it throughout college and then kind of made up my mind to pursue that a little more. Because also, you know, when you're 18, you're so impressionable. Right. So no one really, you don't really know what you want to do. You know, so I was I'm like, 39, oh, I, can, I still don't know exactly, what I want to do. Exactly, yeah. exactly. <laughs> so I was like, I can do this thing because apparently people tell me I'm good at it. And then, you know, and it, and then I just kind of started through. All right. So graduated with a degree in stage management. I guess, all right. So I know what a, what a, what various like acting curriculums are and dance curriculums and there's singing curriculums depending on what school you're going to. But I tell me about a stage management curriculum. Is it just like wh- how do they test you? How do they throw monkey wrenches in your situations? Well, and, like y- your final yeah. exams is like, oh no, our opening act, our actor <laughs> isn't here for opening. What do we do? I mean, it varies. Um, my the college that I went to, I went to Webster Conservatory, and um, our program. Um, was very loose in structure. Um, we got most of our experience by working and um, just by uh, learning through doing. Um, we didn't. We weren't taught by a book. We had a seminar class where we kind of it was like an open forum where we mm-hmm. would sit down and we would talk about the shows that we're working on, and then we would problem solve within that class, and then we would take that out and, and apply it to what we were working on and just life. So there, there really wasn't. Um, yeah, we didn't read a book. We didn't, you weren't taught like you take blocking this way or you have to talk to someone this way, which I think was really incredible because you end up learning from um, your peers. You learn from uh, professional stage managers and you kind of just pick what works best for your style and who you are, um, which I think is a, is a valuable life lesson too because you can just be yourself within the job instead of trying to be a mold of what mm-hmm. someone says stage management should be, should be. Um, which was interesting. You know, I, I know a lot of other programs where you do read books and you have to take, you know, 
you have to do certain things the way the professor is taught. Mm-hmm. That was taught. You know what I mean? Um, but our program, uh, it was kind of not a free for all, but it was definitely uh, loose in structure with um, books and and final exams. And we would get graded. I mean, I guess graded on um, the type of work that we did on the shows because um, our professor was a dean of the college, actually, but he was also very hands on. So he would be with us in tech and he would watch us, um, you know, throughout the rehearsal process. And then he would guide us through that. And it's kind of how we succeeded in those moments was kind of our grading process, I guess. Hmm. Okay, so so we said Webster Conservatory. Is that around here? Uh, it's in St. Louis. St. Louis, okay. Um, St. Louis, are there, I, I don't know much about Webster. Is there a big um, acting contingent there too? So there you have, is. So you have people there that are there for performing mm-hmm. that are students. And yes. then all of the crew, like uh, costumes and so, set yes. design and Yeah, everything. so Webster Conservatory is on the campus, uh, is... Sorry, the Repertory Theater of St. Louis is on a campus of Webster Conservatory. So there's also a professional theater that's um, in partnership with the conservatory. Oh, so cool. we so we produce our own shows. Um, uh, there are, you know, however many musical theater major, majors, and there's also acting majors, and then there's the design tech and stage management classes that we all work together and do shows. But we also get the opportunity to work with professional actors so we and, and designers who come in and stage managers who are there to kind of gain that knowledge as well, um, which is kind of, you don't do it on your earlier shows, um, but you do it like your junior and senior years, and then you come back and you apply that to like your final show that you're doing there. Um, but yeah, there, uh, the school is also pretty big on musical theater and acting, so it's, it's great to work with um, a conservatory that's all-encompassing that has you know all these other programs. It feels like everybody's in it together, too. Yeah, no, absolutely, absolutely. Yeah, that's fun. Okay, so then graduation, and when did you become New York-bound? I knew very early on that I wanted to move to New York. I... It was my freshman year spring break. No, sophomore year fall break, I came to New York. It was my first time coming to New York, and I was obsessed, especially coming from a small town in Texas. I've never been in a city quite like this. There's not a lot of horses around here. There's none. I mean, well, there's the few <laughs> the cops, cops, but we'll, yeah. we'll not talk about that. <laughs> um, but yeah, it was, it was, it was mind-blowing. And, and I think I saw like seven Broadway shows within like five days because I was obsessed. Right. And, um, and I went back to school and I had this bug and I was like, oh my God. And I just kept thinking about New York and I just became very obsessed about what it, New York was. And then throughout the, the throughout my years in college, I was like, okay, I was very oriented on figuring out how to move here and just do, you know, start working. So I knew very young I wanted to move here. And then uh, my senior year, I uh, got my equity card in St. Louis and then I moved here in October. Yeah. The fall of the fall after I graduated. So Actors Equity covers the union covers crew and stage management. Um, yeah, well, it, co- it covers actors and stage managers. Um, it doesn't cover uh, company managers or any of the other crews. Right. Yeah. Okay. So you're part of you're part of Equity, and you have all those benefits. Okay. Yeah. I, I was wondering about about the, the the adult side of that. Yeah. You know, adulting is hard. Right. It's nice to <laughs> exactly <laughs> Equity helps you out, yeah, helps yeah. you out a little bit. Okay. So moved to New York. So what? Um, how long ago? Did you move to New York? Uh, it's it's nine years this year. I moved here in 2010. Wow. Okay. So then... In, it's been a in, while. It doesn't feel like it, but then again, it does. <laughs> but, it, okay, so I'm still, I'm still, I'm fascinated by this because I don't, like I said, I, I don't talk to many stage managers, but in your intro, there was like multiple 
nationally live TV shows and some of the biggest shows on Broadway still, Lion King, Dear Evan Hansen, Hamilton. And in your state, you're working with this and, and um, ASMing, assistant stage managing some of them. And now you're stage managing your primary... PSM? Yeah, PSM, okay. production ASM, stage manager. Yeah, PSM yeah. and ASM. So um, you're working on all these other shows. How, I, I guess, is it like paying your dues? How do you get in? What's the foot in the door? It's, I mean, there are many a ways to get in, and um, there's never a right answer, and everybody's journey is very different. I, um, I fortunately moved here with a job. It wasn't connected to Broadway, but I moved here with um, a job that was well-paying. I... Uh, Years ago, I was an intern at the Alley Theater, and there was a stage manager who was working there. And she uh, went off to work with Cirque du Soleil, and then I come here to do an internship, and I was posting about it on Facebook. And I went back to school, and she thought I was still living here. So she called me, and she said, hey, I'm coming to New York with this show. Are you still around? I want you to, to assist me. And of course, I lied. I was still in St. Louis. I was like, yeah, I'm still in New York. Of course, I'll be there tomorrow. So, exactly. Yeah. Which actually, I had to move here in two weeks because the show started in two weeks. About Paramore, right? No, this was Wintuck um, oh, oh, oh. at Madison Square Garden. Oh. Back in, what, 2000? Yeah, 2010. Um, so I moved here and I was working for Cirque du Soleil, which was insane, um, especially being like my first real job in New York. Um, it was crazy. It was, it was mind-opening. I learned a lot and then also and then the show closed because it was a limited run it was a holiday show Mm -hmm. and I didn't have a job I didn't know how to get a job because I'm 22 21 in New York City don't really have connections just here trying to work you know and and being from St. Louis I'm not from St. Louis but going to school in St. Louis you're not really taught how to find a job in New York City because New York City is very different than the regional market or like the St. Louis market or the Houston market. So I I got on Playbill and I just started looking at people who were looking for assistants or PAs. And of course, I didn't hear back from any of them because people get emails all the time. Um, and then I found this, uh, the transport group was doing this show called Hello Again, and there was a bunch of Broadway actors in it. And I was like, oh, I should just work on that so I can meet these people. So I reached out to the artistic director of the transport group, and I was like, hey, I don't know if you need a PA or an assistant. I would love to work on this show. I didn't know him, but he was very nice, Jack Cummings. And he wrote me back, and he was like, we don't have any uh, stage management openings, but if you're willing to PA, we can pay you a Metro card and you can observe and be around, blah, blah, blah. And I was like, absolutely, absolutely, you know. Um, and at that time, I, I don't know how long the company has been going, uh, was open then, but, you know, they couldn't afford to, to add on more people, right. which I get. And it's New York and it's off Broadway, so, you know. So I was like, absolutely. I just want to be in the room with these people and um, just hoping that, you know, like just being... I find that, like, you know, when you surround yourself with certain people who are doing things, it will come back to you in some way Mm because you're orbiting around that energy. So I was like, I have to be in this room. So I got the show, and I was in there, and it was was great, and it was terrible, and it was great. And you know what I mean? Just because, I don't know. Anyway, it was a wonderful experience overall. And, uh, and that led to the next thing, um, which was Lisa Strato Jones, the transport group was also producing. Mm-hmm. And uh, I PA'd that for a MetroCard for a couple of months. And um, they announced that show was moving to Broadway. And in my mind, I was like, great, we're going to Broadway. Because, you know, I've been working on the show and, and all the cast is going. So I was like, of course, of course, right? But no, that, um, 
what happened was the show moved to Broadway and they uh, hired a new stage management team. They wanted uh, people with more experience and people who had worked on Broadway. And it was totally understandable. But at the time, I didn't get it out. You know, I was my second show in New York. You know, I just figured I would go with it, you know. So I um, was determined to stay with the show. So I wrote the director and I wrote the associate choreographer. And I wrote one of the actors just because I didn't know. I was like, listen, I... I feel like we have a good relationship. I feel like, you know, I'm an asset to the show because I know the show. I would just love to be a part of this in the next step. And then they all wrote back and they responded very positively. Um, And they sent my information to the PSM at the time. I interviewed with her and then I got that job. So that was my first Broadway show as a PA for the Strata Jones. Wow. Yeah, just just from, just from being persistent and just not letting it go. You know what I mean? I mean, the, and, and also because um, I was cherished and I was valuable and they liked me, so that helped. Um, but yeah, that was my first show. And then it, things just kept moving on from there, you know. Mm-hmm. Once I got my foot in the door, I was able to meet new people and interview new people. And my name started circling, cir- circulating a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, and that kind of led to the next thing. Now, it, it, you're right. It didn't occur to me either that a crew, I guess, like the core crew, it, would not travel with a show. Because like your designers, your set, your set designers, Yeah, the designers, they were all the yeah. same. Well, yeah. also, I mean, on in, in that world... Uh, more often than not, I mean, sometimes designers are replaced, and people are replaced all the time. It's not new, but um, the off Broadway and the Broadway world aren't as connected as you would think, just because mm-hmm. it's a different type of, it's a different game. The the rules on Broadway and the rules off Broadway and the way shows run on Broadway. So more often than not, general managers and directors want people with experience from working on Broadway, just because it's you know it's more high stakes. There there are union rules. There are a multitude of things that you have to learn by doing and it's you know so it's just a different it's a different beast um which i which i um recognize and um and know more of now but being young and not really knowing is kind of like wait what you know yeah yeah it's interesting how many people i've talked to that have just like that have gotten jobs uh, not out of ignorance um i guess just not being aware that how the assumed things happen is not how it actually happens. So you're just oh, like, yeah. oh yeah, I guess I'm going to go. Well, I didn't. So let me right. just write them and see what's up. Like how many other people could have had the job and just didn't think like, well, I'm just going to write and be nice. And also it's just, you know, I mean, now I have the more of a mindset of this. People are going to say no all the time. Yeah. So like one no should not stop your journey. You said someone says no, great, move on. You know, some, someone will eventually say yes. And you have to have that mindset of that someone will say yes. And then eventually they will, and then it keeps going, you know? All it takes is one. Absolutely. Well, in high school, it was one person who said, you right. should be a stage manager. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. one trip to New York, like, this is where I want to yeah. go. And one email, right. it, like, gets you Lysistrata Jones. Yeah. It, you know, as a PA, nonetheless. Not yeah. even, like, right. but it gets your foot in the door. Absolutely. Right. That Yeah, that's incredible. Okay, so... You were working working as as a PA, and then it's just uh, what is what is you're saying you're interviewing with the PSM for other shows, and what is what is an interview like? I mean, I'm still like the metrics, the measurement, the success. Like, how do you how does one say, oh, he's a successful stage manager? Well, I mean, success is very relative, but um, I will say that uh, the interview process is very different for different shows. When I was interviewing for Cirque, their interviews are so extensive. They're all in French. 
well, <laughs> sometimes no. Um, but their interviews are so extensive. Like they they give you a scenario and like, how would you respond to this? And it's always mind blowing. So you're like, I don't know because I'm not in that moment. So you can like BS an answer, but you know, in the moment, everyone responds to something differently. And more often than not, for like um, a theater show or like regional Broadway, off Broadway, there's less of those moments. And I find that it's more about. Um, personalities and seeing if you can work well on a team together, your knowledge of where you've been. Because if, you, if you're in the room, then usually you have the talent, you've worked, you have the experience. Um, so it's more about like, do we vibe? Can we do this show? At least that's how, that's been my experience lately. Um, when you're younger, it's, 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 they want to know like where you want to go, what are your, you know, your, more of your experience. But I think the older you get, it's more about personalities and how you work on a team and, you know, managing people and stuff like that. Yeah, it, I hear that sometimes too. It's, it's just the nicest person in the room sometimes gets the job. Sometimes. Sometimes. I mean, all things being equal. Yeah. You want to work with a nicer person. I mean, I would 100% work with the nicer person than the, the jaded person with more experience, hands down. Yeah, true. So then how did you make the transition into, into TV? Because I've got down here too. You were the SM for the Tony Awards this last yeah, this, this year, year. Yes, and the VMAs this year, and the it's VMAs. Been a, it's been right. a big year for me. <laughs> um, uh, I got into TV um, with uh, the Wiz Live. Um, the Wiz Live was happening, um, and I, I love the show. And I, I was trying. I was racking my brain trying to figure out how to get involved with it. Um, and then um, Andrew Gottlieb, who uh, is now a producer for NBC, he used to be a stage manager on Broadway, and he was one of the stage managers on The Wiz Live. Um, I had knew I knew him socially, and um, I didn't know him very well, but I knew that he was involved. Um, and um, and I saw that uh, The Wiz Live was a co-production with Cirque. And at this time, I think I had done three Cirque shows or two, so I, I felt like that was like an end for me. You know, I, I come from Broadway and Cirque, and I knew the director, Kenny Leon, who was directing. So I reached out to Andrew, and I was like, I don't know how any of this works. I don't know if you're hiring people. I, you know, I just, I would love to be in this room. I would love to work on this. This is where I come from, X, Y, and Z. And then, um, and he responded to that, and we started chatting, and then a couple of months later, he invited me to join the team on the show. So, Oh, that's amazing. Yeah, no, it was great. Uh, okay, so... I guess first off, I was going to ask, like, what's the difference between PSMing uh, uh, a live show versus a stage show? But first of all, I guess walk me through your normal your normal day when you're like for Freestyle Love Supreme, which you're currently PSM for. What's your normal day like? Well, Freestyle Love Supreme is um, is uh, a unique show. It's not your typical Broadway show. Yeah, I guess bad but, example. But no, no, no. <laughs> I mean, um, so typically we would uh, we get to the theater about. Um, an hour and a half before the show. The actor call is usually half hour before the show and we get there an hour before. Um, we get there and we check in with the crew and we make sure everybody, everything's okay while they're starting to prep for the show. And then we, um, we distribute a document called the in-out to just let everyone know who's in and out of the show, like who's playing in the show that night. Um, for freestyle, because it's an improv show and it's never the same each night, um, Mackenzie Murphy, who's um, the assistant on the show, who's incredible, by the way, um, we, we kind of sit in the office and we figure out what the show shows lineup's going to be because we put new games in each night and certain members do um, a different feature each night, um, which is different from a typical Broadway show where people have their tracks. And if the, unless someone's out, usually new people aren't going into something. Mm -hmm. But with our show, we try to keep it interesting. So we mix people up so everyone's not doing the same 
feature and not playing the same game just so it's fun. Um, so we determine that before the show and then we redistribute that to the crew. And then the cast starts to filter in and we check in with them and, and just let them know what the, what the lineup is and, and uh, handle any things that have come up from the previous show and just, you know, try to maintain, pers- you know, maintain what's going on in the building. Right. That's interesting. For freestyle, I, I've, I've had um, Chris Sullivan and Anissa. Oh, right. Anissa's been right where you are. Yes, yes, yes. Um, Anissa Folds on the show. And Anissa was saying that when she found out like five minutes before she had to go on stage that she was doing the, the what's the game called where you, like, you keep throwing words oh, at? Oh, Foundations. Yeah, Foundations. Like that was five, me. Five, <laughs> that, yeah. I thought they set their own order. It, oh, it, no. I mean, so that well, is you. You pull well, the strings. Well, we... Um, I, I started with this show um, off. We did it off Broadway yeah. at um, at Ars Nova at the beginning of the year, and they have been doing this show for I think fifteen, eighteen years. They've been doing this show for a very long time, and I came into the show back then, so I didn't really know what it was, and it was very, it was a, it was an eye opening experience. I had never done improv. I the only people I knew coming into this were um, were Lynn and Chris Jackson, the Hamilton guys, mm-hmm. and like Tommy and all those, but I didn't know the other core group of members. So just getting to know them and figuring out the structure of the show was such a learning curve. And then I think once I figured it out, they were very happy to hand that over. So, <laughs> so then it just takes it out of their hands and they can just do the show and it's not, it's, they don't have to worry about the politics of it. You know right. what I mean? So then it's not favoritism. It's just like, okay, tonight I'm doing this. Um, and there are days, you know, when someone comes in and like, I'm, I'm feeling vocally tired or, you know, I'm exhausted from doing this thing all day or just like my, my mind isn't in, the, you know what I mean? So we try, I try to structure the show to fit um, the needs of the cast. Obviously, I can't accommodate everybody all the time, but you know, we try to make sure that everyone's you know happy and 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 it's, and we're playing to their strengths. All know? right, pop quiz, hot shot. Uh-oh. Let's see. No, you said uh, I'm vocally tired. I can't, I can't go in, and like we try to cater to that. Imagine if you know Adrian Warren comes in. Have you seen Tina? Oh, she's incredible. Tina Turner. She's yeah. incredible. Adrian Warren comes in. She's, she's like unreal. She's like Cody. I'm a little. I'm a little vocally tired today. Like, can somebody else sing that one song? Well, that's like, very. You can't, you can't do that. But that's very different. So right. I say uh, freestyle is very unique, and right, as right. Uh, and um, very different than any other show I've ever done. And I and I don't mean like they're coming like, oh, I can't talk. It's you know like some songs they're yelling the entire time. Right. And and because our show is like it's like a, a chess or checkerboard, you can move people around and the integrity of the show stays the same. With something like Tina, if Adrian can't sing a song, then she can't do her job, so she wouldn't do it. Or or she would work with the music director about figuring out ways for her to navigate the song that doesn't take away from the show. I guess that that you know? was what I was asking. Like if you were the the PSM for Tina right now, and Adrian did come in and say like, "Oh, I'm 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 having issues. I don't think I can sing that high note on that one song, or whatever happens." Like, how do you? Okay, if this was an interview and I was interviewing <laughs> you, here's your scenario. How would you handle that? I mean, well, it's very different because because um, Adrian's a beast, and I'm sure she would have muscled through it and figured out it. Right? <laughs> no, I'm kidding. Um, it's just you know you you have a very real conversation with um, with whoever's coming to you with with what they have for the day. And then you talk through the show and you're like, what can you actually do? And more often than not, if a singer comes to you and they're like, I cannot sing today, then they will call themselves out of the show because no one wants to go on stage and and let, you know, 1,500 people down because they're not playing to their best ability. Mm-hmm. And But there are, there are some times when people just don't want to call out and you go and they go on and then, you know, there has been times when I've been on shows where we lowered keys for people or we, you know... They just, you know, did the best they could, and they got through, and we moved on. You know you what I mean? So it kind of like, yeah, I mean, these people are amazing. My, they can, yeah. I mean, sometimes, you know, we don't, and 
they get they get through it the best they can. Yeah. But there are times, yeah, there are, there are times when, you know, someone sings an octave lower because they can't hit the high note tonight mm-hmm. or they they navigate away, they use their head voice instead of, you know what I mean? And so we work with the music director a lot if there are vocal problems. Um, if someone's injured, it's a little, it's this kind of the same thing. We'll work with the dance captain about modifying some, some things. Um, some shows it's trickier to modify, so we encourage people to call out if they can't do their full track. Um, some shows, uh, like Paramore, for instance, instance, because we started off with that show, there weren't any swings on the show, and swings are people who, you know, get thrown on mid-show mm-hmm. um, or your schedule when people are out, yada yada yada. So with that show, we didn't have swings to start with, so we had to create. Um, cut tracks or create modified tracks because we had to do the show, you know? So without that luxury, you know, it's a very, it's a very different beast. Um, Most shows have swings. Almost all shows have swings. So you're able to put somebody else on when someone's injured. And standbys. Exactly. exactly. And alternates. Right. There's, there's a list of offstage, you know, people who can. Right. That, yeah, that, that's, uh, it's incredible to me how, how all the, like you said, you, you get there an hour and a half early the actors get there a half hour early in most cases. That's not a lot of time to say, oh, we need to go modify this or let's go rework a track because I mean, the house has to open it. Right, up, well, right? well um, we get there an hour and a half early, but sometimes like my job starts at 10 a.m. or 8 a.m. I was just doing Avita at City Center hmm. and, um, and it's, it's encores, uh, so there aren't covers because it's a quick process. We rehearsed for 10 days and for this show we ran for two, two weeks. Um, on, and on our final show, we had one of our tango dancers uh, injured herself the previous night and she was like, I can sleep it off. I'll be fine the next day. She woke up and she couldn't put weight on her foot. I get a call from her at 8 a.m. saying, I can't walk. I need to go to the, to the, emergen- to the ER. Um, so we get her in touch with the company manager. The company manager gets her there. And at that point, um, we have to figure out how to do the show without a swing and without, you know, because it's our last show, which was the other unfortunate thing. Oh, no. You know? So, like, sometimes, like, our day starts extremely early. So, you start problem solving very early and you get in touch with the dance captain. Or, in this case, we didn't have a dance captain. <laughs> um, the other stage managers and I and then with the associate director. And our director was very involved still and so was our choreographer. So, we got in touch with all of them. We started uh, figuring out a plan of like things we can take her out of or like things that other people could like respace or just take a certain feature away from her just in order to get through the show. So sometimes you're right, an hour and a half isn't enough. Um, so you kind of you kind of roll with the punches and you have to start early. For the big shows, you know, Hamilton, Dear Evan Hansen, you go in there and after the director leaves, I know the director comes back every now and then and they give a little they do a little brush up rehearsal or give some notes, but do you do you have like you have all the blocking in your book, you're calling cues, you're you're sitting in the booth doing all that. Are you writing down like you were five steps out wrong over here and like do you give notes to people afterwards? We or, do. Yeah. We um usually not after the show, it's usually before the show the next day. Um but now most often a lot of times now there are um, resident directors and choreographers who stay on with the show. Um, so we work with them about note, with noting the show. They Sometimes they're watching the show every night. Sometimes they watch the show like maybe twice a week or, or however, whatever the contract is. They'll come in and they'll watch the show and they'll note the show. But when they're out of the building, um, when we're watching the show, we do, you know, we'll take notes if something's out of whack or if something felt wrong or if, you know, or people off of their marks or anything like that. 
Um, so yeah, we have to be engaged and very focused throughout every show just to make sure that it's still running. And people are still feeling fresh and, and, and having fun, but also keeping uh, with the director, the vision of what the director wanted to, you know? Right. I mean, do you have the power to go up to someone like Casey Levy and you're like, Casey, I feel like you really just let it go. Like, <laughs> you just are not in it tonight. I mean, are those the kind of things you can say? Well, with Casey Levy, um, because <laughs> she's amazing and I love her, like, you probably could walk up to Casey and say something like that and she would laugh. Um, but, I mean, yeah, I mean, there are, um, yeah, I, I mean, absolutely, like, once a director leaves and, and you're working with the associates and stuff, we you, you kind of divide and conquer with certain notes. Um, and if and if someone is uh, not performing to the intent of what the director wanted, is well within our right as well as the dire- uh, the associate directors to to talk with them and note them and and get them back to what the director intended for the show to be. Oh, that's nice. Yeah, so there's always somebody there watching and kind of like yeah, absolutely keeping it. Yeah, because I feel like especially for shows that just run for years right. with some of the same people that you, you gotta. Well, most of those shows like Chicago and uh, Lion King and Phantom, they all have resident directors because it's it's an, like it's been there forever. So there are people who like whose job is to look after the show and they have an office in the building and they're always there and they're around. And they, we still work with them about, you know, with notes and just uptake and scheduling and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, but with most long-running shows, there's a dedicated directing presence in the building, um, which is nice. Because right. they, they help alleviate some of the, the work, I right, guess. Right. You know? Well, okay, so speaking of the work then, you are... Currently PSM for Freestyle Love Supreme, but you said that you're also in rehearsal for something else. Yes. But then you also just mentioned that you did a Vita for two yes. weeks. Like, how, how, how does the scheduling work? Um, it's, the, <laughs> on the, for me uh, personally, the, my last uh, three or four months have been extremely busy. I'm very grateful for that. And, and it's just, and I've just been able to make it work. Like I've, I went out, when I was doing Evita, I was also doing um, Freestyle Love Supreme at night. So I would go to rehearsal from 10 to 6, and I would leave there and go to the theater from 6. Because our schedule at um, Freestyle, we do 7 o'clock and 10 o'clock, mm-hmm. which is crazy. So I would go there, do those shows, go to sleep, wake up, do Evita, do Freestyle, go to mm-hmm. sleep, wake up. And now um, I'm doing a workshop of a new musical called Limpica, um, uh, directed by Rachel Chafkin. Mm-hmm. Um, so right now we're in, we're, in a, uh, we're in rehearsal, so we rehearse that, and I go do freestyle at night, and that's not um, unheard of. A lot of a lot of people do double duty. Um, it's it's hard, but it's because it's time consuming, and you have to split your brain into two different places. But it's also it's fun because it's keeping you on your toes, and you get to you know dabble in a lot of other things. It's also exhausting, but um, but you find time. Right. Yeah. Save, save that coin, man. Exactly. Yeah, Listen. Work it off while you got bills. We got bills. That's right. Um, okay. So, do you jump in and out of shows, though, or like, uh, how long? How long are your stints in the shows? Well, I guess? that's a very. Um, I. Well, right now I um, uh, with Dear Evan Hansen and with Lion King and uh, what else? Uh, if then, and. Uh, 
After midnight, Motown. Well, after midnight, Kinky well, those are different. Ghost, but those three—the three that I mentioned—I've um, I was I'm a sub for, so I only I go in and out when I'm in between jobs or when they need a vacation swings or like a vacation cover or something. Oh, so, so I'm not swings. Yeah, exactly, yeah. exactly. Um, so I'm not full time. I haven't I have not been full time at at Lion King or Jevin Hansen, but since those are long running shows, they're kind of like the gift that keeps on giving. So whenever I close a show or I have time off, and they, there's a need for a, a sub stage manager, I just reach out to them and I'll go in to cover person personal days or sick days or time off. So I'm like on mm-hmm. call, um, which is very nice because it's uh, those shows are amazing and, and hopefully they're not going anywhere. Right. Um, as far as like, um, I, I, After Midnight is the only show and Freestyle will be another show are the only two shows that I've started and, and closed. Um, uh, Motown I started, but I left early to go do After Midnight. And then, um, and the other shows I... I think the longest I've been with the show has been uh, nine months um, just because of, you know, something else would come up uh, I've, to do like the live TV shows. And then when I'm there, something else happens and I move on to another show. Um, so I guess you can say I jump around. Um, I don't like to think of it that way. But, um, but yeah, I mean, I don't know. Well, that's a, is that typical for, for the job or is that typical for you? No, I don't think it's typical for the job. I think most people, because... It is not always easy finding work. I think a lot of people find a job and they're like, this is my job. I'm staying on this. Um, uh, Personally, for me, uh, I take it by a job basis. Like if the need of the show, the show needs me to stay there, then I'll stay there. I feel like if there's a greater opportunity or another opportunity that that falls into my lap, that that is calling me and it's not going to um, affect the show that I'm leaving, then I will try to make it work to move on to this to the other opportunity. So contractually, and like actors are in it for, and they have year year long contracts. Is it sort of the same with 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 ASMs and PSMs? Um, and- to a certain extent, um, uh, contracts are all very different. Most principals are signed for a year, and then a lot of the ensemble are signed for like a six-month rider, and then they can renew. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, and then they're on like either open-ended contract or they keep signing a new rider. Um, for stage managers, sometimes you can sign a term contract if they really want to. You sign on for a year or you sign on for two years. Most stage managers don't sign on for a term. Um, most of our contracts, we sign on with the ability to have a four-week out um, just because of it's not I don't know. It's just this is kind of how our contracts usually work. But sometimes general managers or, or producers will ask that you commit to a year, hmm. and then you see that through. Or if if you can't, then you will approach that and figure out you know what the options are. More problem solving. Exactly. Exactly. Yep. Okay. So um, I have a a Patreon account, and so patrons of a certain level can ask their own questions. Oh, so okay. I got I got a patron question here. Your Twitter account is very theater-focused, more behind the scenes, while your Instagram account (laughs) is very full of uh, hot, muscular, lifestyle (laughs) types of photos. So why the difference, and what message are you trying to convey with each account? Um, Well, my Twitter account, I hop on there maybe once every year. <laughs> like I'm barely on Twitter. I get on Twitter and I'll like repost something or I'll talk about a show or something. Um, Instagram is kind of, uh, I find it to be more of a free for, all, free for all. I like to share pictures of my life. It's more of like a personal journey, I guess, less about my work. Um, so yeah, I mean, yeah, I don't know. I'm not really trying to convey. <laughs> I don't know. That's funny. Um, but thank you. I'm very single if you, um, I'm kidding. No, um, my Instagram is just, just pictures of me and like my life and you know, well, okay. So, what's your what's your sexual orientation? Uh, I am gay. Okay. 
So uh, Byron Jennings is a friend of mine, long-time <laughs> listener, and uh, I think you and he would get along very oh, well. I'm just saying. Well, well there you go. <laughs> um, shout out to Byron. Hey, Byron. <laughs> so here we go, matchmaker. Anyway. Listen. Um, yeah, so I, I actually uh, w- wanted to ask you about um, being gay uh, on Instagram. It's very uh, like a very lifestyle-oriented, like we mm. were talking about. And is it important for you to to share that side of yourself in a public way like that? Because you've got a lot of followers now. Well, I um, actually just spoke about this um, at uh, I was speaking at um, at a college, and I, and I and I was talking to people about social media, and and because a lot of teachers uh, of the older generation tell you know speaks highly on like how you present yourself on social media because people um, will look at you a certain way, and I and I just said you have to just be honest if if you present yourself in a way that that is authentically you, it doesn't matter how other people are perceiving it because people are going to perceive you however they want to. Personally, for me, um, uh, being, you know, a young black man from Houston, a small town in Texas, and and moving to New York City and um, and accomplishing what I had, have without knowing how to do it, I think it was very important for me to highlight that for other people. I think it's also important for me to live my life authentically with within doing that. And that's what I try to convey. Like, I don't, you know, I don't really worry about if I post a picture of me in a speedo on the beach, how people are going to take it because, <laughs> because you know what I mean? It's, 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 I'm not, you know, it's, my work is my work and my life outside of that is my life outside of that. And also just like to spread joy. Like most 95% of the time, everything I post uh, has a, a tone of joy because that's just how I operate. I like to, I like to be happy, you know, so I like to share that, you know, and I, and I think that people need that, you know. Exactly. Well, Freestyle Love Supreme is wearing off on you because it's all about living your truth. Absolutely. Spreading Absolutely. joy. Yeah, and, it's, it's kind of the perfect show for me. <laughs> having each other's backs. Yes, yeah, yes, yes, yeah, yes. It's a great show. Okay, so there are three standard closing questions that I ask everybody to wrap up every episode. The first one, very simply, is what motivates you? What motivates me? Um, my friends motivate me um, a hell of a lot. Um, the, uh, I, have, I have this really, I have a lot of, a lot of friends, but I have a, a great circle of friends, and they all we check in on each other all the time, and 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 even when we're not working, or even when like we're feeling down, someone always can sense it, and they always check in, and like and that and that sense of brotherhood and sisterhood and like communion motivates me to continue to just to go, you know. Oh, so yeah. That. Next question is: What advice would you give to your younger self and younger people listening now, starting out down a similar path? Uh, oh wow! Um, the first thing I would say to people, and and I know people say this all the time, and I think that we cannot ever s- not say it enough, is that um, who you are is enough. Just just being yourself in a room, walking into a room, and 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 not trying to be someone else or trying to appease someone by you know dressing a certain way or talking a certain way, but just walking in and and owning who you are. I think that goes a long way. And that's a lesson that I didn't learn up until maybe a couple of years ago. I'm 31. You know what I mean? And and so everybody, and that leads to the second thing: everybody's journey is different. You you realize things at a certain time. You get the the, the dream job at a at a different time than your best friend or your colleague or or your. You know what I mean? So so just trusting the journey, being yourself, and just and 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 living authentically. 
All right. Yeah. So last question. This is the hardest one. Oh, Lord. If you could only see one show for the rest of your life, but you can see it as many times as you want, what show would you see? Oh, that's hard. Um, yikes. Does that be running right now? No, any show. Oh, God. I would probably say... Oh, <laughs> this is hard. <laughs> this is so hard. I was going to say I eat it because I'm obsessed with Heather Headley and I want to just see her perform that all the time. <laughs> but I probably would have to say Dreamgirls. Ooh. 1,000%. Right. Yeah. Yes. It's a beautiful show. That cowbell at the beginning. Come on. <laughs> you laugh, you cry, you go on a journey. It's amazing. Oh, I love it. All right. So we can find you on Instagram, at Twitter, at Cody Renard. Anywhere else that you want to plug? No, that's, that's it. That's it. All right. All so you can get me at thetheaterpodcast.com. Support and get your questions in for my guests at thetheaterpodcast.com slash Patreon. I'm on Instagram and Twitter, theater underscore podcast. You can listen, leave us, leave a rating, leave a, a review. I love to read those. This is edited by Matthew Hendershot. Thank you to Jukebox the Ghost for the intro and outro music. And Cody, thank you most of all. This has been wonderful. Thank you. Take a deep breath, make the world a little colorful. Hey, it's Leslie Odom Jr. here on the Broadway Podcast Network to tell you about the RISE Theatre Directory, a program of maestro music. RISE is a national online resource designed to connect and empower backstage and administrative and creative theatre professionals from underrepresented backgrounds. If you work or aspire to work in the theater community, this can help you find your next project. And if you hire theater professionals, search the Rise Theater directory to find your next team. Create your profile now and get more information by visiting risetheater.org. That's theater with an R-E-R-I-S-E-T-H-E-A-T-R-E dot org because only together we rise.